The Sports Scouting Report with Lee Burkeen, brought to you by Harvey Autos in Shreveport, Bossier City, the name you've trusted for years, Geico, the insurance savings you expect, Supreme Chevrolet, expect more from Supreme Automotive Group and Gonzalez, Total Car Care, Tire Shop and Automotive Repair in Baton Rouge, Bollinger Shipyards, 75 years of delivering high quality vessels, and The Bug Man, we get them before they get you. Here's your host, Lee Burkeen. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is Lee Burkeen with the Sports Scouting Report podcast, your host. And this is part two we're going to talk about for LSU's offense going into spring practice. I just want to go into depth with it and kind of go over the real depth. Um, I went over part one. Quarterback is not really deep, obviously, but it's as deep as anybody in the country. If Nuss doesn't get hurt and A.J. Swan stays healthy and helps LSU as a runner, and then, again, if Collins doesn't transfer after spring and develops, and they can redshirt Colin Hurley. Uh, you know, running back, they need to stay healthy. Otherwise, they'll be okay because Caleb Jackson's a great back. So is Josh Williams, and so will Caden Durham if they get Trey Holly back. Um, tight end, they're deep if they don't have injuries. Again, you're one injury away from no depth in college football because of the portal. Just one injury. You talk about, hey, we're deep. We're so deep. And then you have one injury, no depth. Um, today, we're going to talk about wide receivers, offensive line, and special teams. Um, I'm going to start with offensive line, and I'm going to tell you it's, it's deceptive or deceiving. Uh, you know, people will say, oh, LSU's so deep on the O-line. They're not. Um, they go about nine deep, and you need ten, so the reason they're not ten deep is because Marlon Martinez, again, the portal, decided to transfer to Mississippi State to go start right away at Mississippi State for Mississippi State in conference. Okay. He's from Florida, played, was at LSU for four years, redshirt junior. If he came back, then they'd go into spring with ten experienced linemen. You need 10 to get through a season, so that means one true freshman for LSU will have to get in the rotation. That's not deep, um, but their starting five is as good as anybody in the country. Yes, that's true. Um, who will be the starting five? I don't know, but I know that three guys will start no matter what, maybe four, because they have two years starting experience. Some of these guys have three years. Um, Garrett Dillinger will probably be Starting at guard, that's probably a guarantee from Michigan. He's a pro prospect, you know, 6'5", 325. I love this guy. He he's, doesn't get mentioned a lot because of Emory Jones and Will Campbell. But Garrett, Garrett Dillinger is a, is a pro prospect, high draft pick if he has a great junior year. Uh, excuse me, great senior year coming up for LSU. Um, will Campbell will be a tackle. Obviously, he'll start 6'6", 330, junior. I think this is going to be Will Campbell's best year. This is the year where he dominates. You know, his freshman, sophomore year, he didn't give up any sacks as a sophomore, which is incredible. But this is the year I think he dominates. This is the year I think he mauls people. He just physically takes over because his body's now just like at another level with strength. And that's what happens in the third year. It reminds me when Andrew Whitworth was at LSU. People are like, oh, this tall guy can move, but he's not big yet. He didn't dominate yet. Well, when he got to 320 pounds at 6'7", Andrew started mauling people and dominating. His 
third year, not his first year, not his second year. So Will, this is, I think, his year to be dominant and be the best in the country. Emory Jones, same thing, 6'6", 320, very similar to Will Campbell, great feet, great hands. Um, the other tackle, your tackles are all sewn up. Um, he's dominant. I think he will maul and dominate. Not that they didn't do this past year. I'm just saying strength-wise that third year is when they just are complete. You know, you saw it with Andelsek at LSU, Eric Andelsek, the late Eric Andelsek. You saw it with Ralph Norwood. took him three years. Now, Andelsek was always good. I'm just saying his power and his strength, his junior year was incredible. Um, and then you look at the rest of the O-line, uh, Miles Frazier is not guaranteed to be a starter at guard. Um, he's going to have competition now. Um, he's going to have competition from Bo Bordelon, who's 6'6", 315, 320, a redshirt sophomore with great feet, can run a five flat. Bo can also play center. He can swing over if there's a, an injury there. Who's going to be the center uh, now that the center has graduated for LSU? Who's going to be the center? Is it going to be DJ Chester, who's a talented redshirt Sophomore from uh, Georgia. He's 6'6", 320. He's got a chance to be a high draft pick. Or will it be Bo Bordelon? Those two guys are, are fighting it out at center. Um, it will be Cohen Eccles, who's a freshman from Texas, who's 6'3", 290, got great feet, run the five flat, was committed to A&M, signed with LSU. They said he could be a generational talent center. So you got three centers fighting. That's what I want to look at in the spring and fall is the center position. I think DJ Chester is probably in the lead for that. Cohen is a, is a true center. Bo Bornelaw is going to play uh, center and guard and tackle. He's kind of like the Swiss Army knife for the offensive line. And then after that, you got Tyree Adams, who the coaching staff's really high on from St. Aug, who is a redshirt freshman. Uh, saw him play in high school. He was a big guy that was raw, but, man, he looked good. Now he not only looks good at LSU, He's strong, and now he gets it. Um, and he's a redshirt freshman. He is only 6'7", 315, 320. All these guys are like 6'6", 6'5", 320, 330, and all muscle. I mean, they're huge and athletic. Not, not 6'1", 2. Not there's anything wrong with that. And then you got some freshmen that are going to have to help, but there's one guy that did redshirt. I'm ready to see what he does in the spring. Uh, from Georgia, Paul... Muganinga, who is uh, you know, 6'5", 310, can play guard, can play tackle, um, had some center experience in high school, was highly recruited in high school. Um, and then you move on and you got the freshman. Um, you got Ethan Calloway from North Carolina, Charlotte, uh, Mooresville, 6'7", 325, ran, ran running the five flat, 5'1", big guy. Uh, biggest time, biggest recruit LSU's gotten in North Carolina on the O-line. I don't ever remember LSU signing an offensive lineman since Lance Smith from Kannapolis and back in uh, 1981 with uh, late Bo Ryan, one of his recruits that Jerry Stovall signed. Weston Davis from Beaumont's coming in, a true freshman. Again, 6'6", 290, can run a 4940. People think he's a generational talent out of Beaumont, Texas. He's a tackle or a guard if they need him this year. Um, and then you've got Ori Williams from Texas, who's only 6'8", right? 6'8", 305, freshman, Ori, O-R-Y, Williams, another great talent. They might can redshirt this year. And then there's Kyrie Lee, who I predict from John Aaron in New Orleans to go to D-line. 
because I think he's a D lineman too. If they need him at nose guard and they need numbers, he runs a four nine at 310, 315 pounds, and he's six foot six. Kyrie's a great kid. I think he's going to go to D line because they they can they can shift the guy. Now they're they're deep on numbers when the freshmen come in. Spring they're not deep, but when the freshmen come in, it's the most talented offensive line in the United States. And then you got Joe Cryer, who's a freshman whose uh, uncle uh, played at LSU, uh, who played for Coach Stovall, um, and his uncle was the last recruit for Bo Ryan. The last person Bo Ryan saw was his uncle, uh, who played uh, line. He was a lineman at LSU, but Joe was uh, started at Manny, finished. Uh, excuse me, started at North DeSoto, went to Manny, and then finished at Natchez Central. And you might say, why did he go to all these schools? Well, his dad was an O-line coach. And wherever his dad got a job, the kid followed him, and he coached O-line. So um, Joe followed his dad to all these schools. He ended up uh, with Jess Curtis, and that's where his dad coached with Jess at Manny, and he finished at Natchez Central uh, because his dad went over there to help coach uh, with Jess Curtis. You know, Joe is 6'4". They got him in the uh, signing class on the internet at like 275, 280, 6'3". He's actually 6'4". And he's 300, 305, muscle, mauler, you know, old school kind of guy. I think the O-line is going to be the strength of the team. It's the reason Nussmeyer is going to be so good. They're going to protect him. And if they can just get enough running back depth, um, this O-line will make holes for me. You know what I mean? It, they have... The best starting five, uh, going back to the days with Whitworth, uh, Nate Livings, uh, Rodney Reed, uh, you go way back to Lance Smith and, and guys that you just, you know, Eric Andelsek, you know, with Joe Abergamo, um, you know, they, this is a, an O-line that's got two or three first-round draft picks and probably two or three first-round draft picks behind those guys, the young guys. And then you got all these great tight ends that have size that can help the O-line block even better. And then this is going to help. This is going to help the young receiving core develop slowly because you lost a lot of wide receivers. That's why the offense is still going to be very good and the defense will be improved. We're going to go ahead and uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about special teams, punters, kickers, and long snappers for LSU. We'll be right back. Libra King, your host. I hope you're enjoying the show. We're talking about LSU uh, football, the team, part two um, for offense. And we're going to go ahead and go to special teams. Then we're going to have wide receivers. We're going to talk about special teams now. Uh, this is what I'm, uh, as an LSU, if I'm an LSU coach, obviously, this is a, these are some things you need to get sorted out in spring. Um, kicker, you return your starter in Damian Ramos, who's been starting for the last two years. He's done a good job. But he's got a guy coming in named Aaron Burrell from Parkway in Bossier City, who I've seen play for three years. The best kicker I've ever seen in high school football in Louisiana was Wade Ritchie out of Karen Crow. He kicked some 50-yarders and made it look easy. Struggled a little bit at LSU, had a good career, had a good pro career. But Aaron Burrell is, is better than Wade Ritchie uh, in distance, and he's, uh, he's got ice in his veins, which you got to have as a kicker. He's a 6'2 kid, big, tall kid who day one will win the kickoff job. I hate it for Nathan Dybert, who got hurt, I think, late in the season, who's from Michigan. But Aaron can kick the ball in the stands. <laughs> I mean, he's that good kicking the ball off. 
Um, Aaron can kick the ball 65 yards, 66 yards for field goals. He can make a 70-yarder if you need him to. Um, he made 55-yard field goals in high school with room. Um, he's made most of his 40-yard uh, attempts in high school. Like, he didn't just kick one out of 10. He made just about all of them. Um, he's a generational kicker. So he's going to come in and, and push Ramos uh, more than anybody on this team for someone who's coming back as a starter. That's a position that's up for grabs, and I don't know if Ramos will keep his job or not uh, because, like I said, Burrell is that good, and he can help LSU win some games. Not that Ramos can. I'm just saying you got two, you got a guy coming in that might be the most talented freshman kicker in the United States, which is a good thing for LSU. Let's talk about punter. Um, Jay Bramlett graduated. Uh, the first portal, they didn't get a punter. Uh, May 1st, um, want to see if LSU gets a punter as a graduate transfer, maybe, because it goes, the portal opens up May 1st to May 15th. Uh, I guess they'll see what they have in spring. Will Payton Todd, the longtime guy on the team from West Monroe, will Payton Todd be Payton Todd we saw in high school? I mean, in high school, Payton 6'5", 230, and it looks like it came out of a ball machine. And to his credit, you're not going to beat Jay Bramlett out, who probably will start in the NFL. Um, but if Peyton Todd does not have a good spring and he doesn't take the job, then they're going to need to go get a punter. Um, because behind him, you have a walk-on um, from Ascension Episcopal in Youngsville, uh, Badger Hargett, who might impress too. He might impress in the uh, spring. I'm, I'm looking forward to see him. Um so punter's kind of up in the air. But I hope Peyton Todd takes the job and becomes the All-American punter that he showed at Western Road. Because in high school, I thought behind Donnie Jones, he was the biggest, strongest leg guy I've ever seen and just hasn't put it all together in college. Um, but he's got it. He's got the leg. Um, so stay tuned on that position. Even though I'll shoot at punt a lot, they might have to punt more this year. Um, long snapper. Um... Slayboy comes back for his third year. He's a transfer from East Carolina three years ago. He's done a good job. He's your long snapper, but you always need that second guy. And they got a kid named Jake Davis that signed last year as a walk-on from Texas. Um, he might be the heir apparent to Slayboy. Um, and it gets a little crazy here because the third long snapper from the year before, they usually don't come back. They usually go somewhere they can start as a long snapper, but... If Jonathan Ferguson comes back from California as the third long snapper as a walk-on, then that would actually even be better for LSU. I don't know if he's coming back or not. And one guy I want to mention in this whole equation for special teams is a kicker named Aiden Corbella from Jesuit. You know, his dad, John Corbella, started at LSU for three years under Nick Saban. When Donnie Jones was the punter, he was the uh, kicker. And John did a great job at LSU. Played at St. Thomas More in Lafayette. But Aiden was all-state, all-district at Jesuit. Had a great career. Has a strong leg. Aiden could kick it 50-plus. But you know what might happen? If, if Nathan Debert leaves from Michigan, then that's a window for Aiden to maybe get some time uh, in the future. He's only a redshirt freshman. Aiden Corbello. Remember the name his dad, John? Corbello was a kicker uh, for LSU. Um... I hope you enjoyed this segment on special teams. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about wide receivers for LSU. 
for the 2024 year for LSU on offense, our part two show for LSU going over their offense. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Your host, Lee Burkeen of the Sports Scouting Report podcast, owner of Louisiana Football Magazine. Go to our website, LAFootballMagazine.com. And also, please hit the subscription button. Tell your friends to subscribe and like and share. That'll help us grow our audience statewide. And we're going to do more interviews in the future at the high schools uh, with recruits coming up, coaches, and legends. We'll do more of that too. But I do know people want to see the recruits interviewed and the coaches uh, for the upcoming season for high school football. It's our 28th year to do our magazine. It's going to be online this year. And the TV show will continue to go out and interview kids. This is our last segment for part two offense for wide receivers. Um, this is a, a very interesting position because they have a lot of talent, but a lot of young, unproven talent. And people kind of maybe sometimes get real excited, even me. Man, they've got all this talent, but no one's proven except Kyron Lacey. Um, Kyron Lacey does happen to drop some balls. I think he needs to be more consistent if he wants to be on Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas's level because they didn't drop many passes. Every now and then you saw Malik drop a ball. Every now and then, not many times, Brian Thomas dropped the ball. But the reason they made uh, all-conference and they're going to go in the first round is because they didn't drop hardly anything. Um, so Kyron Lacey, to be the number one guy, he's got to start having consistency. And the kid has everything. Uh, 6'2", 3", 220, looks like a linebacker, but runs like a split end. Um, he could be another All-American receiver for LSU. But can he handle being the number one guy? Will he catch four out of five balls? Will he not drop uh, three or four balls a game? Will he catch eight out of nine? Kind of like Malik. I mean, you got to do that. Um, and that's what I'm looking for him in the fall. Spring's not going to really show that. He, he had a good spring this past year, but he had some drops again that he needs to work on. Uh, easy drops. They need to not be any easy drops. So with that being said, after him, you've got Chris Hilton, who showed a lot of potential in the bowl game against Wisconsin, had a great catch um, in that game down the field that helped LSU get back and, and take the lead and win. Chris has all the ability in the world. He's one of the fastest receivers on LSU's team, one of the fastest players. He can clock 4-4, and he's got size, just like Malik, very similar build, six foot one ninety. And he just needs to just consistently catch the football. But he, you can't guard him because he's so fast. And he's a smart kid. He had a great career at Zachary. And I, he's someone that needs to have a good spring to carry that over the fall, limit the drop passes. And if that can happen, if Kyron Lace and Hilton can catch the ball consistently, then LSU's receiving core has a chance to be great again because behind them, there's a lot of talent. And some of those guys will develop and become phenomenal, the third guy, the fourth guy, right? The next guy that I think needs to make that jump is Shelton Sampson, who redshirted. And look, let me, let me throw this out there. So people kind of go back to like, kids don't uh, show polished ability as a freshman. Not all of them. And don't, you know, don't judge them as duds or people that didn't you know, perform or they didn't reach their ability. 
you can't do that with receivers because it takes a year to learn that it's a tougher level. They play man, high school, they just run around, they're not guarded, they're not contested on throws usually. In college, you're contested and you have someone on you the whole time. You have safeties that come on you in corners, they're on you. You got to make plays. Um, so Shelton, I think, will be good. He'll be good to go. Brian Thomas, just to give you an example, it took Brian two years to be a difference maker fellowship. Just remember that. Very similar build to Shelton Sampson. You know, 6'4", they're both 6'4". They're both like 190. You know, Brian got to 200. Shelton will be the same way. He'll get to 210, I think, 205. So Shelton's going to have a breakout year, in my opinion. He's adjusted. He's gotten stronger. He just needs to show it. And if he becomes what I think he can, then this wide receiving core won't miss a beat from losing Malik Neighbors and Ryan Thomas. After those three, you got Aaron Anderson, who just needs to find a way to catch balls when his time is called. They didn't throw him the ball a lot. He didn't get enough reps. He didn't get into a rhythm. And in his fairness, you need to get in a rhythm to catch balls. And so let's see, in fairness, if Aaron can be the third guy, the fourth guy, and get some uh, some trick plays. He can come in and do reverses. Um, he can play Wildcat. And they need him more this year anyway. And so if he can get in a rhythm and get more reps, I think he'll catch more passes. He can finally show what he can do. He's a great athlete. And after that, you got Javion Nicholas, who's worked his way up from a walk-on position from St. Aug, and now he's returning punts. He's a great player. He runs a 4-4-40, believe it or not. He was a great player in high school at St. Augustine where Leonard Fournette played and Honey Badger played, and Chad Jones played, and go on and on and on. Then there's Landon Avieta, who's been hurt for two years in a row. See if he can get healthy from Mandeville. He's a, uh, got great hands. He's a speed guy, 5'11". Uh, and then you got the Xavion Thomas kid who transferred in from Mississippi State from John Eric, who's probably going to be your punt returner, or Javion Nichols will be your kickoff returner. It upgrades that position as well, by the way. But Xavion has got great hands, and he's got great speed. He runs 4-4. He brings another uh, intangible wide receiver. If, if Lacey struggles to catch balls, if Aaron Anderson struggles to catch balls, and if Shelton doesn't dominate, which I think Shelton is going to be the three guy no matter what, Xavier can be your number one guy. And that's what the staff, I think, is looking at because they brought him in and C.J. Daniels from Liberty at 6'2", 200 pounds. C.J. Daniels is a big-time player. Um, and so is Xavion. They're proven guys at the college level. So they guarantee that they're going to have the guys they need at receiver. They just guarantee. Um, and if all these guys reach their potential, they're going to be deep at wideout. It will be one of the deepest groups in the country. And I'm not even mentioning Kyron Biot, who they signed from Terrebonne, who's going to be a great player one day. He's 6'3", 190, runs a 4'3", 40. He's running 10, 400 meters. He's going to be a great one. And then Jelani Watkins from Texas runs a 4'2", 940 as a slot guy. Um, they might try him on special teams. He's another guy coming up. And then you got Kyle Parker from a redshirt freshman from Texas who runs 4'5". 5'11 and 185. So the position, by getting C.J. Daniels to transfer from Liberty and getting Xavier um, Thomas from Mississippi State, who's from John Eric, 
you, you got a loaded position if Lacey can consistently catch the ball, if Aaron Anderson can start catching the ball, and if Shelton Sampson just hits that next level, which I think he will. I still think the team needs Lacey to be one and Hilton to be two. And then you have Sampson and you have CJ and then you have Zavion and you got the rest of these guys. What a incredible recruiting job of the coaching staff to make sure this position is well stocked if some of these guys coming back don't reach their potential. It guarantees it's going to be a good position again, which means Nussmar will have the weapons that Jaden Daniels had. And with Scary, before I end the show, the offensive line is going to show their full potential this year, and they just dominated this past year. So Nuss is going to be a part of that. When you have a great O-line, that's when Alabama won their national championships. That's when LSU won their national championships. That's why I think LSU is going to be great if they can just hold on to everybody after May 1st and May 15th, the next portal. Hopefully they won't lose anybody. They don't want to lose because they're, they need to get some depth. So you're going to see four or five more additions probably in the second portal. You'll see some D-linemen, a running back, a punter, and maybe, maybe another tight end because they love tight ends. Kelly does. I hope you enjoyed part two of offense. We'll see you soon with part one of defense and part two of defense. I'm Lee Burkeen, Sports Scouting Report Podcast and Louisiana Football Magazine. Make sure to watch our defensive teams as well. See you soon. Thanks for watching the Sports Scouting Report with Lee Burkeen.